All right. We're winding down. This week, we're going to talk about the time after the Lord's Supper. There were some things that happened. Next week, we're going to look at the resurrection. Why is it important that we realize Christ is resurrected? And so we're going to look at the resurrection. The following, the first uh, Tuesday in February, we will begin the prison epistles. And so I hope that you will go ahead and read ahead and uh, get ready to go into this great study. So to put you where we are right now, three and a half years, Jesus ministered here, pointing to the cross. In fact, when you begin to read right after uh, the first two years of his ministry, everywhere he went, as he had been in the north, he began to say he'd set his face towards Jerusalem. Because the reason Jesus came here was to die on a cross. He was not a martyr. A martyr is someone who has their life taken from them. Jesus Christ laid down his life willingly. The fulfillment of the prophecy from way back Genesis 3.15. Bruising the heel and mashing the head. So Jesus, the first of the week, had a triumphant entry into the city. I don't think his disciples really, really grasped. They had heard him refer over and over and over about his death. But you know, the disciples were just a little slow getting it. I don't think they really understood. Jesus is going to be gone. And this whole thing, everything Jesus had done, everything he had proclaimed, coming to a head. And as Jesus ascended, it would be time for the disciples to step up. So the setting of this, they have had the last Passover and the first communion. They're leaving the building and they're going to go out across the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives to a place called Gethsemane. This is a place that from scriptures we realize this is where Jesus and his disciples, many of them, spent their time at night. Because we're told Jesus did not have a house of his own. We read of him being in a house. He was in Simon Peter's house. He went to some Pharisees' home. But he himself escaped the crowds in this place. And if you ever get a chance to go to Israel, that's a place you want to go. I spent a lot of time in those gardens. There are some olive trees that are this big around, gnarly. Actually there when Jesus walked. It's an amazing It's a quiet place. This is where they're headed. And so there's conversations that are still going on. Because you see, Jesus was trying to get his disciples ready. They were the ones 
that the gospel would be handed to. In fact, when you read John uh, chapters 14 through 17, uh, chapter 17 is called the high priest prayer. Jesus specifically prays for them that they would be one in unity and take this gospel. He would also pray for us because he said, I also pray for all who will believe from their testimony. And so it's the passing down. We pick up in Mark chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus makes this bold statement. Now, hold that there and think about what's just happened. The end of the supper, he said, one of you is going to deny me. One of you is going to betray me. And all of them said, is it me? Is it me? They, they did, you know, I, I find that, I understand that, because so many times we say I would never do something. I want to tell you something. Never say never. I remember early in my ministry, I looked at, I knew of a church, and I said, you know, I'll never go to that church. Guess what? That's where I wound up. It was <laughs> six very, 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 very long years. But I want to tell you, as I look back, it was the best six years of my life. God taught me a lot of things there. But be careful of saying, I will never do that again. But that was what's happening. They didn't know what they were going to do. So now they're out of the building. They've got that out of their mind. And Jesus said, you will all Fall away. Not one, all fall away, Jesus told him. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. See, Jesus has always given step-by-step instructions to the disciples as well as you and I. You go into Galilee. Peter declared, here's... Don't you love Peter? I imagine him jumping up in a loincloth going, Oh, even if all fall away, I will not. Those are words of doom. Go ahead. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered him. Today, yes, tonight. Tonight. Before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never, ever disown you. That's the setting that we're in. They've been shocked that one of them would betray him, actually. As they're going to their safe place, you might say, all of a sudden Jesus says, you guys are going to scatter. Well, let's see what the actual response was. Look at, begin in verse 33. Are we there? Okay, I'll read it. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, 
sit here while I pray. Okay? And he took Peter, James, and John sitting with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep wash. Now, this is the setting. They're there. He had announced something. But as you go ahead and look uh, fast forward, uh, to verse 43, it says that as Jesus was speaking, one of the twelve appeared, which was Judas, with him, and as was a crowd, with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged to signal with them, the one I kiss is the man, arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The man seized Jesus and arrested him. One of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus? You have come out to me with swords and clubs to capture me. Jesus says in Matthew, guys, don't worry about me. I could call my father and 12 legions of angels would be at my disposal. He said, every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him. See that? Everyone. In fact, those guys left town. They all left, just as Jesus said. Why? What is the difference? Here's Jesus knowing in that it, it is said that it is Peter. Because at one time, Jesus was talking about sending them out. And he said, I'm not going to send you out with a sword. And the next time he sent them out, he said, make sure you take a cape and a sword. And Peter said, I got one. So Peter would be doing what we would call today carrying, Okay. And so when they came to get him, he was going to defend Jesus, and he wound up going for a head, missed the head, cut an ear off, which we know from other scriptures, Jesus healed. Here's the thing I want you to understand. We're going to go back in just a minute and look at preparation for the time. Preparation. How did the disciples prepare for this time When Jesus warned them, you're going to leave me. You're going to leave me and I'm going to be betrayed. In Mark 14, 32 through 34, we begin to look at how the disciples prepared for that. Hmm. I guess we got that back there. I'll read it to you. They went to the place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to the disciples, sit here while I pray. Now, Peter, James, and John have always gone a step further with Jesus. So this group of disciples is left. Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John with him, and they began, and he began to be deeply distressed 
and trouble. Now, they can see what's happening to Jesus. They have been on the mountaintop with Jesus. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration? It was an exhilarating time. They saw the glory of Jesus there on that mountain. This is something new. This is the agony. This is from the mountaintop down into the deepest valley that Jesus is in. And he's saying, boys, pray for me. In verse 37, after he had gone and prayed, he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. All right. They're asleep. Look at verse 40. Let me find it. Here we go. Verse 40. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. Are you still sleeping? Enough hours come. Look, the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of sinners. Here's the setting. This is the biggest night in their life. Their Savior is going to die. In After that time, the ministry of the spread of the gospel is going to be handed off to these 11 men. They were later in the book of Acts, add one. But these were the men, Jesus is saying, I'm going to be the atonement for sin. But when I leave, the message that I've been proclaiming is turned over to them. And in the very hour that they need to be on their toes, they need to be with their Savior, they need to be holding him up in prayer, they're asleep at the wheel. That's why they all departed. That's why when the time came and that young servant girl pointed her finger at Peter and said, you're the one, that's why Peter fell on his face. There was absolutely no preparation. What we do for Jesus is very, very, very important. Jesus called us out of the world. He called us literally out of an old life of sin made us new creatures in Christ and gave us a message to proclaim through the way we live, through the way we go through tragedy, through the way that we go through problems and the way that we live life. That is the spread of the gospel much more than when you corner someone and begin to speak to them. If you are living that life, And then when you have an opportunity to share someone that Jesus Christ paid for their sin, that the reason your life changed, Jesus gave you a new life, they're going to listen. And that's what we're supposed to do. But the most important part of all of that is prayer. Prayer is the preparation So much time today, we use prayer for giving. Y'all remember Fred Sanford? Fred used to say, my name is Fred G. Sanford. And the G stands for gimme, gimme. And too many times, our prayer is, Lord, give me, give me. 
It's not the preparation of ourselves. It's not preparing us for a day that we don't know what's going to go on. And yet we leave the house every day just like we've got it. We know what's going to be going on and we don't need to talk to God about it. Praying opens yourself up. Praying says to God, I'm listening, I'm watching. Where do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? The disciples failed miserably because they didn't prepare. What about Jesus? Jesus went away and he began to pray. He began to pray, Lord, if it is possible. And he prefaced that by saying, Father, everything is possible with you. Remove this cup. Nevertheless, not my will but yours. And he went back and they're asleep. So he goes back and he prays that again. And he goes back and they're asleep. He goes back. Luke records that as he prayed, great drops of sweat turned to blood and fell to the ground. Doctors have looked at this and said that's entirely possible. For someone to be so intense, so overwhelmed, that they literally sweat blood. Now my question is this. Was Jesus afraid to go to the cross? Was he afraid? Was there so much dread he was afraid? No. I got two things. You see, Jesus would soon become sin and be under the divine wrath of God. He took our sins, who know, knew no sins, that we might become the righteousness of God. When he became sin, that was for you and it was for me. Because we have no way of redeeming ourselves, of paying our debt. We owe God a debt that deserves death because of our sinful nature. But God prepared a way. Jesus knew he would be experiencing something he had never, ever experienced in all eternity. From perfection to putrid. From holiness to totally sinful. Secondly, for the first time in all eternity, he would be separated from his father. Those were the two things. You see, Jesus would be separated from his father so that you and I, through Jesus Christ, never have to be separated from him. Never. He's made it possible for us to spend eternity. But yet in that hour, the reason that he came, the reason he came as a baby and lived, uh, grew up with all of the issues in life that followed us, followed him. He experienced that. So the Hebrew writer can say, we don't have a high priest who doesn't understand and feel for us. When we cry out to God, I feel like I'm failing, I feel like I'm weak, God is there to bolster our spirits, to let us know the most important thing in life, He is with you. 
You see, there's going to be a time in the latter day people are going to walk up to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. I think about those words. Those have got to be the most horrible words anyone could ever hear. You see, every day in our lives, even when we go through stuff, we, we have this thing in the back of us that says, it's going to get better. It's, it's, it's going to be all right. I'm going to get through this. You know, we've had all of this rain. We'll go days and never see the sun. All of a sudden, that sun breaks out and says, there's hope. But in the last days, when you stand before God and he says, depart, I never knew you. You are damned for eternity. And the intensity of which Jesus prayed was to prepare him that he would become sin for you and I. That he would be separated from the Father and not you or I. How can we find ourselves denying Christ? You say, well, I've never said I don't believe in Jesus. <laughs> that's, the, that's the easy, I mean, that's, that's a given. Everybody I've ever talked to, they're a Christian. Okay? So we don't go around saying that. You know, even atheists lie. Because if an atheist believed there is no God, he wouldn't even mention a God that doesn't exist. And my question to those boys are, why are you talking about somebody that you don't think is existing? You're talking about him like he's alive. Do you believe in God? That's usually when they walk off. But you see, here is the issue. We can deny Jesus in many other ways. There may be somebody sitting here today that is denying Jesus by simply living a life that is apart from Christ. You may be online and you know that you have heard that voice of Jesus say to you, follow me, come to me. And you sit there where you are rejecting Jesus. You are denying that Jesus is the only source of salvation. Everyone that denies Jesus is looking for an alternative. To be good enough, long enough, to do that, to be a part of the church, to volunteer. They're looking for everything. And when you refuse the Jesus' offer of salvation, you're denying him. When you refuse to be baptized, you're denying him. Jesus was baptized. Did he need it? No. But he baptized as his right at the inauguration of his ministry. That baptism was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in a prophetic manner. And when we follow him in baptism, we're saying, this is my life story. All disobedience, all disobedience is denying that Jesus is Lord. If he is Lord, if he knows everything, why do we continue denying? Now, let, let me tell you something. I, I'm talking about in a continual lifestyle fashion. 
I, you know, when I was writing all this down, I, I, I can look at times and say, this is where I denied him. I denied him by this action. I denied him by what I said. But I, I went to an altar of prayer. I wanted to get rid of that. It, it was repugnant to me. But we need to understand all disobedience is denying that he is a sovereign Lord. A lack of prayer in your life. A lack of prayer in life denies the fact there's a need for prayer, that Jesus answers prayer, and prayer is a source of power in your life. When you just simply don't pray. And I'm not talking about God bless this food and some other things. I'm talking about a real prayer life where you get down with Jesus, where you're, you're right there in his presence. I have this thing that I envision when I go to prayer. I envision a throne room and, God, you know, he's on the throne. And I kind of peek around a curtain and he does like this. And I get to walk in and sit on some steps. And I get to tell him I'm having a rough day. I'm having some rough thoughts. Emptying ourselves before God. The power is out of Christians. The power is out of the church today. Because of a lack of prayer. Listen, do you think the world is afraid of a church at all? You're living in la-la land if you don't, if you think that. The power to return to us who are the body of Christ will only come through prayer. How about like a Bible study? You're simply denying that Jesus is truth. You'd rather walk around believing a lie or Googling. Let me find out what truth is. Google. Yeah, Google's pretty good, but you got to buy out where to take you. Jesus is truth. To continually stay out of the word, to stay... I've heard people say, you know, I get a driver's license, but they didn't give me a license. They didn't tell me how I could raise my children. Knock, knock. I don't know how to be a Christian on my job. Knock, knock. I don't know how to be a Christian in my neighborhood. I don't know how to, to live a godly life among people who don't love the Lord. Knock, knock. Jesus will point a finger at us and say, you knew not because you asked not and you didn't search. Because the word of God says that. He said, when you search, you'll find. Not very long from then, when all this was happening, Jesus would soon die on a cross in a crowd. But he was right by himself. Why have you deserted me, Father? And he did all of that, that you and I can have life. And if he purchased that kind of life, we deny Christ when we don't live that life. You're just saying it's not true. If I challenge you in any way today, is that you would know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And that as a Christian, you wouldn't get tied up 
so much with, am I doing good? Am I being a, you know, that oxymoron, a good Christian? <laughs> That's an oxymoron. You can't be a bad Christian, okay? You're either a Christian or you're not, okay? Simple as that. Do you know Christ? Or are you walking with him? Do you have issues in your life you're struggling with? The word of God and prayer. The only answer. Do you have someone that does not know Christ? Prayer and holding to the scriptures is the only hope. We need to understand. Don't deny Christ. Don't deny who he is, what he has done for us. It's time our lives were shaken up. We we sometimes are just walking around in some kind of la-la land. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ will put hope in your soul and a spark in your step. And you'll live a life like you never knew you could live. And you can do that from birth to a hundred or a hundred plus. This morning, search yourself. What is it that you need to get right with Jesus? Fathers, we come to you today. I thank you for the challenge of your scripture. Thank you, Lord. It was such a challenge, Lord. I had to spend time on my knees confessing the times I failed you. I denied you. Lord, I'm created by you at birth. I'm giving a new life in Christ. You, Lord God, are my life. You are my reason for living. I have no other purpose in life than to glorify you. That's a truth of Scripture, burning it into our hearts and minds. I pray today that your spirit would convict and draw and lead in Jesus' name. Amen.